Well, the Bills are seven and three going into the bye week, for what it's worth. I'm Jake. This is my good friend Akeem. How's it going today? Uh it's 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 better. I've I've had better days, but I've had worse days a couple days ago. So it's it's better. A Rich, Akeem Richens, built in Buffalo, Bill's Bunker, my brother Jacob. Uh we've had better days. Definitely, and there's a lot of speculation going on about what went wrong in this game. Uh it's obvious the big play that happened at the end was a dagger through our hearts. But there's a question I just wanted to ask you. Do you think this could have been avoided? Uh, you know, a lot of people would say, uh, and coaches and, and players and whoever you talk to that's a part of not only football, but a part of sports, period, they will tell you that it doesn't come down. No game comes down to just one play, right? Uh, so in my opinion, could have this been avoided? Uh, there is definitely some plays that we've could have handled differently. There's definitely some situations uh, we've could have handled differently. Uh, me personally, uh, I don't think, uh, I think we had an excellent game plan, but I don't think we coached for 60 minutes. We always talk about players playing for 60 minutes. I don't think our coaching staff coached for 60 minutes, and that, and that was a difference. And I even have some examples as well, but I don't want to ramble on. Um, I'm going to let you uh, uh, take the wheel and get into it. Well, I think this could have been avoided, and it's, it's kind of on everybody in my eyes. Um, if you really think about it, we took a lot of untimely penalties. We had a drive where... Dawson Knox took a, a legal block down the field that that was extremely costly. That caused us a first down. Uh, there's times where our special teams unit did not look like the special teams unit we've had all season long. There's a lot that went wrong for our Bills this week. So it's really, it's hard to pinpoint it on one or two things, but it's who's, who is to blame about for this loss? And again, it's honestly, it's a tough situation. Uh, why wasn't some of our better athletes back there on the last play of the game, right? Uh, a lot of people would act would, would say uh, Stefan Diggs probably could have been back there. Gabriel Davis probably could have been back there. But again, that's where I think the coaching, that's where I, I think we didn't coach for 60 minutes. I believe we saw 11 seconds on the clock. And we assumed that the Arizona Cardinals had two plays to run with 11 seconds on the clock. And we wasn't really paying attention and dialing in on the type of quarterback we was facing in and Kyle Murray, the way he likes to use his legs. And because he likes to use his legs, he's going to take time off the clock. So a situation like that, in my opinion, is a coaching error. It's a coaching error. <laughs> and uh, I got to call a spade a spade. I mean, there's... Plenty of missed tackles on that play as well. Kyler Murray, he's he's amazing with his feet. And we witnessed it firsthand. It ended up being our demise that game. And that throw across his body, that is insane. It's just a remarkable pass from him. And the fact that none of our guys, our DBs back there, our three Pro Bowl defensive backs... And Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and Tredavious White, none of them could make a play. That's just insane, DeAndre Hopkins. And another thing that I just wanted to point out is something that I would have done differently. If I knew DeAndre Hopkins was on the other side in a Hail Mary situation with that little time remaining, why not just take a penalty? Why not wrestle him to the ground? I know it sounds odd but you could literally stop him five yards in wrestle him to the ground and take a penalty and have a better result and again and, and once I'm, and and i know you said one thing you had to say i still have a couple more things <laughs> to say about the situation but Jorquez, 12 yard punt uh that's that's not going to get it done I have to call a spade a spade here. We gotta we, we, you see the deck of cards, you've seen the thumbnail, right? Uh 12-yard punt is definitely not gonna get it done. 
Every time Josh Allen, it happened against Houston Texans last year in the playoffs, and it happened again against the Arizona Cardinals. Every time Josh Allen catches a touchdown, our play calling is suspect for the rest of the game. I don't know about the play calling. I was I was sketchy about some of Brian Dable's play calls or, or plays that he called throughout the game after we scored the touchdown. The Arizona Cardinals defense, they were selling out. They were selling out against that run, and I think we stuck to the run a little bit too uh, too long, and we had some questionable play calls. Yeah, we did. It's a lot different from what we've seen all season long. I think that the... A lot of running in the third quarter might be due to the fact that we've just came out flat in the third quarter all season long. We we're trying to get going in the run game, but it didn't work, and you're, you're spot on. You hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we just didn't go away from it quick enough, and there's so much blame to go around. You can't pinpoint it on one person in my eyes. You have special teams. You have offensive missed opportunities. Our defense. Roberts, 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 two kick returns at the 10 yard line didn't help our offense. Uh, that's 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 not going to get it done. And I love Andre Roberts, but that really that that had an effect on the game. We have to we have to call a spade a spade. I understand that we gave up the Hail Mary. But before that play, Colin Murray was 21 of 32, 203 yards and an interception. We we did a fantastic job on Kyler Murray throughout the game, and I believe that uh, we 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 squandered opportunities on the field within the coaching staff. It was a this was a team effort in in a loss. And Bobby Hall here in the comments section makes a great point. I know this is something that you wanted to talk about a bit. Hop knocked us out of the playoffs last year. Is he a Bills killer? It's looking like it, but what what it seems like for the Buffalo Bills, it seems like we don't have elite superstars to uh, combat against elite superstars. It seems as if superstar players, when they play the Buffalo Bills, they tend to get off, and it seems like the Buffalo Bills don't have the necessary players to combat that. We see it with DeAndre Hopkins, right? We seen it last year with DeAndre Hopkins. We seen J.J. Watt last year. He didn't play half the season. He came back for the playoffs, and he disrupted the game. Superstar. We see Aaron Donald this year, the way he disrupted the Buffalo Bills. Superstar. The Buffalo Bills, when they play uh, certain teams that have elite superstar talent, uh, those superstars shows up against the Buffalo Bills, unfortunately. Yeah, I see it. I see what you're getting to. I mean, we've done a good job of shutting down Russell Wilson, but not really shutting him down. We beat him. We did not shut him down at all. We've, we've done enough to beat them, but like you said, we haven't been able to stop them. We've beat them with our offense and high-scoring power, but we just haven't done enough to rely on that going forward because as much as I'd love to win shootouts every game, a win's a win, it's just not sustainable. And you're seeing that in Seattle right now. Exactly. And I'm going to say, and I want to get the, the, the people's perspective or the people's opinion as well out the, out that play. Who are you going to blame? Who's who, who's the biggest at fault here? Was it Hyde? Was it Poya or was it Trey white? Who would you, who would you blame? Who's the biggest at fault to you, Jacob? In that particular play, that particular play only. That particular play, I think it's all three of the guys around him. But if I had to pinpoint it on one person, I'm going to our defensive line. Honestly, I know really? it's impossibly. It's an extremely difficult task to take down Kyler Murray, but if you watch it. If you rewatch the play, I know we all don't want to. It'll make us want to rip our eyeballs out. There was missed tackle after missed tackle, and I'm going with Mario Addison. He missed the last tackle right before Kyler Murray was out of bounds and allowed him to get that shot downfield. He been missing. My... He was missing tackles all game. Mario Addison didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he was missing tackles all, uh, a lot against Kyler Murray. There's even one play where he missed a tackle, and you see him on the floor. He slammed his hand on the floor because he was upset. Uh, so I, I definitely, I definitely agree. So you, th you think Addison as well? Um, for, well, for that particular play, I just, I think it was a group effort. 
You know, I, I think the coaching staff, we didn't have the right personnel package in there, in my opinion. Uh, I think the 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 three of our, our best defensive players, you have to put blame on them. I believe Jordan Poirier kind of his his mistimed jump kind of threw the timing off Trey White and kind of messed up the whole thing, in my opinion. But I think it was a it was a group effort in terms of what went wrong on the play. I just I, again. I believe our coaching staff, they saw 11 seconds and assumed two plays instead of one. And that's that's where we went wrong right there. Yeah. And right here, comment, coaching. Yeah, I attested to it earlier what I would have done. Wrap them up and take D-Hop down five yards in. Take a penalty. I don't care what you guys think of it. It's more effective than allowing that stupid play to finish the game. That's correct. That's correct. I'm another done ranting comment. about it. Need a speed out there. And hey, and that's another thing. Who said put that comment back up? Because I because you're gonna make me continue. Need a speed out there to chase to chase down Murray. Uh that's one thing I, I say a bunch in our in our group chat, right? We don't have athletes on our defense. We don't have no athletic specimens that can run sideline to sideline. We don't have those guys that can that's big, physical, and can run. And I think we need to do a better job in the offseason in attaining those guys. It's good to have guys with high IQs and fundamentally sound, but we need some athletes. And that was the difference on that play in particular. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was just the best athlete out the four in that jump ball. He's he's a freak, and sometimes it happens. It doesn't happen often, but it is what it is. Let's uh, let's move on from this. I'm yeah. I'm sick of talking about this play. Makes yep. me want to rip my eyeballs out. So we're gonna go and we're gonna mention what we predicted last week for the scores. That's gonna hurt just as much because we weren't that far off. You had 34 to 27 for Buffalo. I had 31-27 Buffalo. Ultimately, we end up losing in a very devastating way. I don't know what else to say about that. It's that's heartbreaking. It, it, you know, it's tough. It's tough the way we lost, but again, uh we shouldn't have got there, you know? We shouldn't have got there. We was up 23-9. We was up 23-9, 9 minutes 45 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, we shouldn't have got to this one particular play, man. Even if we got to this one particular play, we were supposed to defend it better and stop it because it took away Josh Allen's clutch moment. It took away uh, Stefan Diggs' clutch moment. It took away the amazing catch by Cole Beasley now that we have to ignore and not even talk about properly because of DeAndre Hopkins' catch. So uh, definitely a lot of things. Let's 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 move on, please. <laughs> So, do you want to talk about the offensive performance, what you liked or didn't like from last week? Um, definitely, man. What I liked, I liked how we was modern. I like how we was aggressive. I like how uh, we kept the defensive coordinator from the Arizona Cardinals thinking, Vance Joseph, uh, in that first drive. The way we mixed it up. They said Isaiah McKenzie was was uh, playing uh, Kyler Murray through our practice the whole week, and he was able to to throw a pass, and and Josh Allen was able to score a touchdown. So I love the innovative approach to the start of the football game. But once again, it seemed as if uh, that's the part that I did like. But once again, what I didn't like, it seemed as if after Josh Allen scored that touchdown, just like when Josh Allen scored a touchdown last year in playoffs against Houston, the play calling seemed rather suspect throughout the rest of the game until the fourth quarter end of the game and we had to make our clutch moments. So that's what I liked and that's what I didn't like with our offensive performance. I'll tell you what I liked. I liked the fact that we got off to a hot start and for the second straight week, we scored on the first four drives. That's the second straight week we scored on the first four drives. That brought us to halftime with a 16-9 lead, but I didn't like the way we were scoring. We put up three field goals all over 50 yards, and that brings me to say congratulations to Tyler Bass on becoming the third Bills kicker with three kicks of over 50 yards in a game and the second NFL kicker in history of the league with three or more field goals over 54 yards. So 
Yeah, big leg bass. Big leg bass. Yeah, you've been calling it. You've been calling him big leg bass, and that's a very suitable name for him. Back to the offensive performance. I loved the fact that in these dying seconds, we make that huge twenty-one yard pass to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. That's why we brought Stephon Diggs in to be an X factor on offense, to come up big in these clutch moments. I mean, you could say, and I'm sure I've seen it, there's some people saying, well, they left too much time on the clock. That's not on the offense. Would you rather them not score that touchdown and have another field goal? That's correct, man. That's correct. Uh, it was about what twenty six seconds left, thirty seconds left in the game. We would we would think our defense can do a, do enough to keep uh, the Arizona Cardinals out the end zone. So um, I, I definitely I definitely have to agree with that. And a lot of people talk about uh, uh, Josh Allen and, and deservingly so. Josh Allen's our guy. He's our quarterback. But nobody's talking about Stephon Diggs for MVP. <laughs> and I think. We have to start. I'm going to start the petition. Stefan Diggs should be in the MVP race. He's leading in targets. He's leading in receiving yards. We're talking about a guy who's made an obvious difference to an entire franchise, an entire offense. Stefan Diggs deserves to be on this MVP ballot, and I'm going to make the train, make the petition tonight on Bill's Bunker. You know what? Definitely. I mean, receivers don't really get that MVP discussion all too often, if ever. But you can definitely make a case for it. I can I can agree with that because he came in and it's clear that he has helped the development of Josh Allen in a huge way. Josh Allen has taken a leap, a massive leap, a huge hurdle from last year. And that's a big part of the reason of that is because of the Diggs effect, Stephon Diggs opening up these other receivers and leading the NFL in receiving yards. But this is why he's MVP, right? This is, it's not just the numbers. They said Steph, uh, they said Josh Allen was an inaccurate quarterback. He had a, a 58% career completion percentage before Stefan Diggs arrived to Buffalo. Now Josh Allen has a, a 68% completion percentage. So he has changed the landscape of an entire franchise quarterback's future along with the the number one numbers in the NFL. And I think we have to take account into, into not only the stats, but the type of quarterback he had, but uh, they said before he came to Buffalo. Yeah, and, you know, that brings me to a question I have. I was going to save it for later, but since we're talking about Stephon Diggs, I'm going to bring up the Tuesday night trivia question of the night. And I want to see all our viewers. I want you to let us know what you think in the comments section below. We're going to attest to what we think. The trivia question is, will Stefan Diggs break the single season franchise record of 1,368 receiving yards that is currently held by Eric Moltz? What do you think? Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Stefan Diggs is going to have 1,400 yards receiving, 1,400 yards and change. The touchdowns, I believe he has three right now. He has three touchdowns right now. The touchdowns, he may end up with about six or seven on the season. But I can definitely see him breaking that uh, single, season, uh, single season record of over uh, 1,300 yards and eclipse that with a 1,400-yard with a season. Stefan Diggs, uh, for MV goddamn V, MV goddamn P, as well as Josh Allen. I'm going to go a step further and say he's going to get the 1,500 yards, and he might even take the uh, the franchise record for receptions over 100. He'll have over 100 receptions too, I believe. I think Stephon Diggs, it's, like you said, Diggs for MVP. It's legit. It's legit. A hundred percent. It's legitimate. Hey, and not only that, shout out Cole Beasley. I think I think we're going to have two receivers eclipse a thousand yards. I don't think Stefan Diggs is going to be the only thousand yard receiver of the Buffalo Bills. I think Cole Beasley, I believe he's about a little a, a, a little shy of of 600 yards right now or 700 yards right now. 
I believe Cole Beasley is going to be a thousand yard receiver before the season's end as well. I think so too. And there's a comment here. I think we're going to have three receivers over a thousand yards. I don't think that's going to happen because of the injuries, but if John Brown was healthy this season, do you think that it's a legitimate possibility we would have had three receivers with over a thousand yards? It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible because of the quarterback we have. We, we, we obviously see that he's capable. We obviously see that, uh, we want to we we, we want to congratulate Stefan Diggs, but it goes hand in hand, right? Stefan Diggs is having a career year himself, and a lot of that attests to Josh Allen. Uh, Cole Beasley is having a career year himself, that attests uh, to Josh Allen. So uh, I believe it's definitely possible next season, with another year under Josh Allen's belt, to get better because his ceiling is limitless. And if we have all three receivers healthy for the duration uh, for the duration of the season, I think it's definitely possible. Absolutely, I'm with I'm on board with everything you just said. This this offense is special and it's dynamic. And if we had full health the whole year, I think we definitely would have had three receivers over a thousand yards. We've been talking a lot about the offense. Let's uh, shift gears and talk about the defensive performance from last week. What we liked and didn't like. Do you want to start this off? Uh, yeah, why, uh, why not, man? Uh, what I liked from our defense, I liked the way we attacked. I liked the way we was aggressive and we stayed on the aggressive hunt. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they do a great job with pace and they do a great job with tempo. So we did a great job to combat, combat that with sending a wave of substitutions and still maintaining our aggression. And we was able to really bottle up Kyler Murray. I mean, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Before that catch, DeAndre Hawkins didn't do much. Uh, as I alluded to before, Kyler Murray only had 200 yards and in an interception before that play. So the defense did an excellent job throughout the game, uh, confusing Kyler Murray and just sending a wave of different blitz packages from different angles. So that's what I liked defensively. I think we contained Kyler Murray pretty well for the most part. I mean, there are some times where he made us look silly, but that's Kyler Murray. He's going to do that to everybody. And I mean, on our defense, there's is an average performance in my eyes. I mean, the first half we looked stellar. The first half was stellar. Held mm -hmm. them to nine points, no touchdowns against the Cardinals offense. Are you kidding me? Second hey. half. Yep. Second half, not so great. And that's been what we've seen from our team as a whole. Not just the defense, not just the offense. Our whole team. Come third quarter, it's a major problem. I can definitely agree. And, be, and before we even before we even dive into what we didn't like, uh, Dane Jackson looked like the second best corner on the Bills. <laughs> Dane Jackson, it looked like our defense took a hit with, when Dane Jackson went down with that knee injury. And I'm like, is this possible? Dane Jackson, the seventh round pick is is out the game and our defense is kind of is kind of tailing a little bit. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Dane Jackson, man. I think in the short sample size thus far, what we've seen from Dane, I think he's performed very well. What you think? In the two games that he played for the Bills this year, out of all the Bills rookies, he's had the biggest impact. And I'd say he's the rookie of the year for the Bills this far. With... Mm -hmm. Two turnovers that he's gotten. He had a fumble recovery. He had an interception. And how about that first drive on the defensive side of the ball, breaking up that pass to DeAndre Hopkins, which our three best DBs couldn't do at the end of the game? Right. Hell of a play from our rookie. Wow. I think he's going to be special. Yeah. I, you know, I, I definitely think he has that ability that Sean McDermott covets. He's an aggressive corner who's not afraid to to stick his nose in there and make a tackle. And we all know in Sean McDermott's defense, even though we haven't seen it, it at, in a, at an elite pace, in Sean McDermott's defense, you have to be able to tackle. And Dane Jackson has shown the ability to do that. Spot on here. 
played good enough when he's in there to be the second corner. And I don't think that's just on the Bills. I think that's on pretty much any team. He had a hell of a performance this week and when he played against the Jets. Yeah. And we're going to move to something that we don't really hear too many people talk about. It's not offense. It's not defense. It's the third aspect of the game, and it is extremely important. We're going to talk about the special teams. So there's a lot to talk about uh, our special teams. There's a lot we liked. There's yeah. a lot we didn't like. What do you want to start with? Um, our, Overall, I think our special teams throughout uh, 10 games of the season has performed very well. Uh, I think uh, against the Cardinals Sunday was amongst the worst special team performances we've had uh, in the season thus far. Uh, the 12-yard punt, I mean, the 12, I mean, come on, 12 yards, that's definitely, that can't happen. Even if you're going to pooch something and miss something badly, it's just at least go 25, 30 yards. So the 12-yard punt was definitely a, a, a very big mishap that it, could, it, can't, it can't happen. Uh, there's something that I don't want to see in a in a divisional round game in the playoffs. <laughs> so I hope we can he can rectify that for the rest of the season. Uh, Andre Roberts back to back coming out the end zone and started at the ten yard line. Uh, Andre Roberts is probably going to be a Pro Bowl return man again, but those back to back kick returns and he got tackled within the ten and gave our offense bad field position. It definitely didn't help. It definitely didn't help, and it gave uh, the Arizona uh, momentum to, co to come back, and it started us uh, behind the eight ball in field position. So those are a couple of things that I definitely didn't like in our special teams department. Well, about the Andre Roberts punt returns or kick returns, pardon. Uh, I think that I think that that might have been a little bit selfish. I think that that wasn't a team play. He wanted to get some revenge against his old team in the Cardinals. That's just speculation, but I think that's a fair point to make because it was pretty clear he ran them out from the end zone and he got stopped at the 10. That's not going to cut it to put our team in a bad spot. And then we punt a 12-yard punt as well. Damn, yeah. that's not going to cut it on special teams. But I will say I really, really liked what I saw from Tyler Bass, those milestones I mentioned earlier. This kid's a special kicker. I see something like an Adam Vinatieri in Tyler Bass. Yeah, um, this is why we signed him. This, we, 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 we hit, in my opinion, on drafting Tyler Bass, a rookie uh, kicker. He's going to go through his bumps in the road. He's going to go through his struggles where he misses field goals. But ultimately, this is why we signed him. He's out in Arizona. It's not really much wind. This is perfect weather. You have the leg, and he booted a 58-yard field goal. And this is why, again, Georgia, Georgia Southern fifth-round pick, this is why he won the job over Steven Hauska. So shout-out Tyler Bass. Again, three field goals over 50 is a little bit too much. <laughs> the offense have to punch in six some point. But shout-out Tyler Bass. Yeah. And like Jeff says, he's get only getting better with every kick. And you can clearly see that. The first game against the Jets, maybe some nerves. Definitely some nerves. First NFL game, who wouldn't be nervous? Correct. And everyone was getting on him. I read some pretty stupid comments about him. I posted that on a video. And this is why I did it. Because Tyler Bass, I believe in him. Big leg Bass. Big leg Bass. Now, we've talked about the special teams, we've talked about the offense, we've talked about the defense, talked all about this atrocious finish to the Cardinals game. We're at the bye week. Usually we would be getting into our bunker bets segment for next week, but we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. So, with all that being said, it's time to get into some bye week grades for each position group. We're going to go over every nice. position group we have, and we're going to give our grades for them. Now, we're going to start off with the quarterback group. 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 And <laughs> we are giving this an A. You want to tell us why? 
I mean, you know, Josh Allen, when you 58% to 68%, that's 10, that's 10% percentage jump. That is, I can't even say almost, I can't even put almost behind the unheard of. It is unheard of. And when you throw in for over 2,800 yards, 21 TDs, only seven interceptions, uh, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a A grade in my book. Josh Allen has played tremendous, and he is the reason not only why we should be eight and two, but why we're seven and three. Absolutely is, and he leads the NFL in passing yards. He's only fumbled four times, which we've been talking about how much he fumbles for the last couple of years. I mean, four times over ten games, it can hurt, but it. It's not that much considering what he does for us. 21 touchdowns in the air, seven interceptions. Josh Allen, as you just said, a 10% increase in passing percentage from last season. Wow. Josh Allen has taken leaps. And I'm not just going to talk about Josh Allen because we all know he's got his Josh's jacks. He's great. I'm going to talk about the other guy in our quarterback room, Matt Barkley, because... We saw a little bit of we saw a little bit of him. A smidget, a smidget, smidge about <laughs> all I want to see from him. But he he did good when he was had to come in. He was three of five for twenty two yards. So I mean, it'll do. But it'll let's do. hope let's hope that we don't see that again. Of course, uh, a, a healthy Josh Allen is 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 the best bet for our Buffalo Bills. And we're doing all these grades, and I want all the viewers, everyone in the comments section, I want to see what you think. Give us your grades, because we've got an A for the quarterbacks, which brings us to the next position group, which we don't agree on, the running backs. Akeem has a D. I have a C-. minus. I'm a bit taking a bit easy on them. You know what? I never, I never knew the difference in in grading between C minuses and Ds, and you know, uh, B minuses and Cs. I never knew the actual grading, the point differential. But I think that uh, we are we pretty close to agreeing with the running backs, right? Uh, it could be a combination. It could be a combination of not enough. Uh, production from the running backs combined with not enough play calls uh, for designed runs. But nevertheless, uh, that's the grade I have to give it a D. Hopefully it improves throughout the next uh, six games. Well, let me just say this. Josh Allen leads the team in rushing touchdowns this year with five. Zach Moss has three. Singletary has four yards per carry. Moss has 3.8. And when your backs are averaging around four yards per carry, I mean it's all right, but it's not gonna it's not gonna get the job done because it's evident that we're not having these runs broken when we do run. And we've only had six hundred and ninety-five combined rushing yards between all three of our backs, those being Moss, Yeldon, and Singletary. So I'm giving them a C minus because the reason I'm not going down to a D. Honestly, we haven't seen too much from the running game. We haven't seen us go to the run game all that often. We haven't needed it necessarily all the time, but I think we are going to need it. And I have high hopes for this running back course still. Definitely. I definitely agree. I mean, Moss is young. Singletary's young. These guys are, they've got a lot of potential. I think going forward, they're going to step it up, I hope. Definitely. Wide receivers, this is an easy one. We both have A. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, Stefan Diggs, the number one receiver in the NFL. In my opinion, Cole Beasley is the best slot receiver in the NFL. And you couple that with John Brown and the presence he brings as a speed dynamic. Uh, uh, Gabriel Davis has been uh, a rookie standout for our Buffalo Bills. He has made excellent progress throughout his rookie season. So I definitely give this an, an A grade. And Isaiah McKenzie, he has shown that he's more than a gadget guy. He's out there running routes. He's out there uh, throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> so what is there not to like from the group of receivers that we have? There's nothing I don't like about it. 
I mean, Diggs and Beasley are already both over 500. Stephon Diggs, 500 yards, that is. Stephon Diggs, well over that mark. And as I said earlier, I think he will set the single-season franchise record for the Bills in receiving yards. We have 14 touchdowns through all of our wide receivers. So our tight ends have had some touchdowns, running backs as well. But 14 touchdowns for the wide receiver group. It's definitely improvement from what we've seen in years past. Definitely an improvement, man. Definitely. Uh, again, I, I feel blessed to be watching Stefan Diggs put on a Buffalo Bills uniform and play for my favorite football team. So it's definitely a blessing. Sarah Taylor, A's all around, baby. A's all around with the receivers. Easily. Easy A for me. There's no question about that. And that can, that high note of an A is going to bring us down a bit, quite a bit to our tight end group. We both agreed on this one as well with a not so solid D. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're getting enough productivity from this position group, you know, whether it's uh, Dawson Knox being out, whether it's him and not having the greatest of hands, or whether it's just a combination of of him and Tyler Croft and Lee Smith and Reggie Gilliam is just an underwhelming tight end position group. Either way, uh, it has not performed to the level I thought it could perform to, uh, especially when, <clears throat> excuse me, especially when we see a guy that's big and strong and physical like Dawson Knox and we hear off-season stories how he's working out with George Kittle. We like, oh, shit, <laughs> you working out with George Kittle. We going to see some shit. So, and we haven't seen it. We've seen shit. So <laughs> because of that, I have to, I have to give the position group a, a D. Well, Dawson Knox, we're not giving up on him, but I said this exact same thing last week. Nothing about him really knocks my socks off. He's made some spectacular plays, specifically last year. Nothing really from him this year. He's only had 109 receiving yards, a big fat zero in the touchdown column. Tyler Croft is our number one tight end, and that's not what most Bills fans were expecting. He's a red zone threat. And he has three touchdowns with 119 yards receiving. But I'm going to go beyond these two tight ends. I'm going to talk about Lee Smith. Where has he been? I haven't seen him at all. Reggie Gilliam hasn't been touching the field. I mean, since week one, Lee Smith had that one touchdown for one yard. But he hasn't had another reception. Kind of just seems like eating up roster space to me. But we knew who Lee Smith was before the season started, right? So if us as fans knew who Lee Smith was before the season started. I'm pretty sure the coaching staff knew exactly what they was getting, what they wasn't getting from a Lee Smith at the tight end position. So um, they just have to do better. or We just have to do better in the offseason, uh, finding an upgrade and placing Dawson Knox because I, uh, a Dawson Knox at TE2 is right now would, would be a bigger mismatch uh, for opposing defenses. If we had a more reliable uh, tight end that we could rely on and get the ball and kind of surprise people with the Dawson Knox and let him show his sneaky athleticism, I think he would benefit greatly more in that role. There's, there's a lot of talk about Zach Ertz coming to, to Buffalo prior to the trade deadline. I'm talking about moves that we could have made, and there's not really any sense in doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'd rather have seen Dallas Goddard here, personally. I really like Dallas Goddard a lot. And what about Greg Olson? We had the chance to sign him in the offseason. That would have been huge for the progression of Dawson Knox. We've seen what bringing in players do for the progression of other players, like Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. He really could have helped groom them. Even Jason Witten. Bring in another veteran tight end. I think Dawson Knox can still be something special in the future. I definitely agree. It just seems as if in the offseason we was like, hey, Greg Olson chose Seattle. Uh, don't worry about it. We got Dawson. We, we have him. We're going to see what happens. Uh, let's restructure Croft and, 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 and settle with this. And that right there is why 
we're giving it a grade of a D. And we're going to translate to our offensive line, which we're giving a B. We're giving our offensive line a B. Why is that? I mean, um, you know, the running, the running game, you know, is probably a reason why I won't give the offensive line an A. You know, the, the offensive line, the running game, that has uh, a hand-in-hand -hand contributions to it. But on the flip side, Josh Allen has been getting, for the most part, uh, time to throw in the pocket and time to make uh, these these plays and these clutch throws he's been able to make. And because of that, I think the offensive line deserves a solid B grade. Deion Dawkins has been solid. Uh, Darren Williams, Darren Williams has been a blessing from the skies. Uh, my boy Ike, Ike Baker comes out of nowhere and he's been playing well. I'm not sure if I'm going to think about starting Cody Ford, even if he's healthy now, because I really like the contributions from Ike. So, uh, once Mitch Morse go in there, uh, Joe Feliciano really came in and gave us a toughness on the offensive line. We've seen an obvious difference uh, ever since he's been uh, in the lineup. So uh, solid job from our offensive line thus far, man. B. Well, honestly, I'm going a different path. I was actually going to give them a lower grade after more consideration. I raised my grade up a bit. And the reason for that is because we've constantly been banged up and can't catch a break on our offensive line. In the last three games, the three interior offensive linemen, the guard, center, and the other guard, we've had a different combination of those three players each of the last three games. That's huge because as someone who's a former offensive lineman, you get to know the person beside you and there's that chemistry. You have a chemistry. You feed off of each other. You know what's going to happen. You know how you're going to adjust to certain reads that the defense presents to you. And we've also allowed 20 sacks for Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen sometimes holds on to the ball too much. But 20 sacks, that's two sacks a game. It's not that bad, but I'd like to see a bit less. I like it. Nice stat. Nice point out right there. So hopefully getting Mitch Morse back soon. Don't know what's going on with that. There's a lot of smoke in the air about that. If we can get him back healthy, Feliciano, you said you want him forward to start. I think Bod Bodker's earned it as well. Mm -hmm. I think if we have a healthy offensive line going forward, we can get a run game going. But I'm going to point out one more thing before we move on that I've noticed as a former offensive lineman, we've been passing so much that sometimes on our first step, we're go it seems we're going backwards instead of attacking mm -hmm. when we're on the run. As an offensive lineman, it's important to get inside and get that first step forward every time you're running. But if you're used to doing the passes all the time, mm -hmm. your first step is naturally to go back. So that's an adjustment we need to work on going forward. I like it. Definitely. Transitioning from the offense to the defense to the other side of the trenches. Let's go to the defensive line. We have different grades here. Not really by much. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a, a C minus, man. Um, you know, the defensive line is, is, and I'm being, I think I'm being rather nice. <laughs> I think I'm being rather nice with this grade. Our defensive line, we're 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 highly paid. We got a lot of cap tied up in that defensive line, and I just I you know I I don't think we're as as good or as dominant as we should be. I don't think Ed Alva is has been as dominant as we thought he could be. Um, I don't know where Vernon Butler is. I I I, I haven't seen Vernon Butler. I know he's on the team. <laughs> I know he signed a two-year deal. He's making $8 million per season, but he just hasn't been – I haven't really seen him pop out, and I can say that about a number of guys, probably not named Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is probably the reason the defensive line gets the C-. So um, that's just how I feel about it. 
Yeah, Jerry Hughes has really stepped up since that Jets game where he had an interception and the forced fumble. But I'm giving us a D because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we are the highest paid defensive line in the NFL. We just haven't cut it at all. Our leading sack players from the defensive line each have four sacks, those being Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. Mario Addison had them more at the beginning of the season. Now Jerry Hughes is starting to turn it on. I think Jerry Hughes is going to keep that up going forward. He actually looks like super motivated out there, and that's something you love to see. But I just haven't seen enough to give them a higher grade than a D for the defensive line. And yeah, I can't, I I honestly can't be mad at that at all. And we're going to move on to the linebacking core because this is something else I expected to see more from. I have a C. You agree? Uh, Yeah. And you know, this is debatable as well. You know, Um, Tremaine Edmonds, he's has, hasn't been, haven't been stellar. He didn't play particularly bad against Arizona. Did he play great? I don't think so. Uh, Matt Milano was, was very good when he's healthy, when he's healthy. Um, we've been banged up Terrell Dotson, uh, AJ Klein. He's had a rough, he's had a rough seven games with the bills or so. Right. But these last two games, AJ Klein, he played well against Arizona. I have to give him his flowers. He played well against Seattle Seahawks. So because this is the last memory of AJ Klein and the linebacking corpse, I definitely have to give a C. If this was a, a week seven bye, if the grade probably would have been worse, but C grade. Well, to add to your point about AJ Klein, he's the only one of our linebackers to create a turnover all season long. And that's two forced fumbles. The one in New England, that was just that little tip he had. And then in Seattle, where he absolutely destroyed Russell Wilson. I think that our linebacking core, we just expected more. We expected a lot more from him, from all of them. And it sucks that we've been injured. But that's football. We have to adjust. We need some more linebacking depth. I'm interested to see what Darren Lee brings to the team. We didn't really see him last game at all. Surprised by that. But going forward, I think AJ Klein, if we can utilize him the way we have been, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. He's a liability in pass coverage. Cannot You can't drop him back. That's something Milano, Milano can do that really well. But if you want to utilize Kleinwell, blitz him. Just blitz him, send him at the quarterback, and he'll get the quarterback. And he's been doing a good job pursuing the quarterback these last couple games. Definitely. So moving on to players that are further back in the defense to the secondary. Our second secondary grade is another one that we agree on with a C. What do you have to say about the secondary? Uh, you know, just I think we've been saying this a lot when we've come to the grades with the defensive side of the ball. It's just I don't think they've played bad, but I think that uh, we've built up a certain level of expectations because of what we've seen in the past. And because of those expectations, we expect way better play and than what we're seeing. So. Uh, Tredavious White, he hasn't been playing to the all-pro level or the elite level he's been playing. La- he's played last year. Josh Norman, he struggled to get on the football field. Teron Johnson, he gives up a ton of yards as a slot cornerback. Uh, Dane Jackson came, he's doing well, but it's a very small sample size. Uh, Levi Wallace is in and out the lineup. So uh, it's a been a lot of shuffling along with a lot of struggles, along with the secondary. Uh, Jordan Poyer has been playing at an all-pro level, in my opinion, until that that last play. Uh, but other than that, man, uh, I have to give it a C. I think it's an underwhelming performance thus far, but I do think we can, we can get to that elite-level performance later on in the season. Well, 
we're seventeenth in pass yards allowed. We've had five interceptions from our secondary, and none of those interceptions came until we played the Jets not too long ago, and Dane Jackson started it off. Dane Jackson kicked all of this off. We've seen an improvement from our secondary somewhat, but not enough. Not enough at all. We need to see more going forward. And to, to the credit of the defense, we see a little a corner. As we see a little corner, we see us turning the corner a little bit. The last couple of weeks, our defense has performed better, so we can see some type of resemblance of 2019. It's not there yet, and we hoping it gets there. But right now, as we currently stand, is 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 a C. Yeah, and you know what? Just another thing that I'm going to go to that definitely hurt the secondary grade because it was our, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. (laughs) It was our three best players from our defensive secondary around D hop. And none of us made a play. That's tough. You know, again, it's, it's tough. It's this not supposed to happen. It's three players, three on one. They was in position, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough and, and it's disappointing. It is, we can't even say, well, at least it was Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace and Josh Norman. We can't even use that. We can't use that. You know, we have the three best players, the three players we want in that situation was in that situation. So, Okay. I got a bit of a question for you that I just wanted to bring up because we're talking about the secondary. Josh Norman. If Josh Norman gets healthy, all goes well with what he's dealing with right now. Hopefully everything works out for him, prayers for him. But Josh Norman or Dean Jackson starting against the Chargers next week? You know what? You know, I'm going to go neither. <laughs> I think Levi Wallace should start. I, 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 Yeah, I just, you know, I think, you know, I, I think he's been – He's the player at by default. I think he's been playing better than uh, Josh Norman. And I think Dane Jackson, hopefully he gets healthy. I'm not sure if he should start yet. I think he's playing well, but it's still a small sample size. And we all know Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier like to run heavy rotations anyway. So I don't think he's going to start, but he's definitely going to play a significant role. But as a starter, I got Levi Wallace. I like that. That's fair. That's fair. Not meaning to leave leave out Levi Wallace. I was just meaning between the two. If you had to start one of the two, which would it be? But I, I agree with what you're saying completely. If I with gun to my head between those two, gun to my head, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm a start Josh Norman. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Gotta go with the veteran guy, the guy you've mm-hmm. seen more from. Give him a chance. We paid him six million dollars for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about. The last position group we're going to grade, and it's a big one, the third part of the game doesn't get much love. We're going with the special teams, and we've got a pretty damn solid grade for them. Definitely, man. B plus. I mean, besides the 12-yard punt, you know, and, and that's that's what I – this is what I fear by with Corey Bohorkis. I fear he's going to – Give us 60-yard punts for the rest of the goddamn season. <laughs> End up making the making a Pro Bowl and wait to the goddamn playoffs and give us another 12-yard punt. That is my biggest fear with Corey Bohorquez. I hope I'm wrong. But he's been booming the shit out of the ball. He's been having an excellent season. Uh, Tyler Bass, his big leg Bass, is showing his leg. Uh, Andre Roberts is is doing an excellent job. Besides those last, I would call, I would agree with you and call maybe selfish plays on Sunday. He's been having an excellent season. I think he's going to return to the Pro Bowl as well. Uh, the special teams has been doing a a, a a fabulous job, man. B plus. I agree a hundred percent. Our kicker is exceptional, an exceptional young kicker. All those. People that were talking about Tyler Bass not being a great kicker at the beginning of the season. You're not put in his spot. You don't know what he has to deal with. Think about a kicker being on the sideline all game. High pressure situation. Go in there, kid. Let's go. Let's see what you got. He's 
done exceptionally well. Better than Tyler or Steven Hauschka would have. That's Andre definitely. Andre Roberts, hell of a kick returner, hell of a punt returner. He was a pro bowler last year for a reason. And you can incorporate him in the offense as well if you'd like to. I love Andre Roberts. I love everything he brings to our special teams unit. And Corey Bajorquez, I mean, he's got a wicked leg. You see some of the wicked punts from him. And then randomly you see a 12-yard punt. Right. Which, you know, I guess you could say it happens, but you can't have that in the NFL ever. It's not acceptable. There is no room for error punting the ball in your end zone. And does it? And you know, and you know, does it happen? I don't. I don't know. I have to really look back. This is the last time I seen a twelve yard punt. <laughs> you know, I so, so I definitely. I yeah. Uh, I mean, I can. I can punt the ball twelve yards. But the other thing about Corey Bajorquez is all those missed kicks at the beginning of the season. A lot of them kind of seemed like they might have been on him with the laces out. Not trying to, you know, tear the guy apart here, but that's our job. We're analysts here, and we just call it as we see it. Corey Bajorquez needs to improve some things. Most definitely. More consistency is what I'd like to see from him. And if you're watching this video, smash that like button. Hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we're live. We'll be back here tomorrow night. We'll be back here next Tuesday on the Bills Bunker live show. Before we head out, though, there's a couple more things I wanted to point out that I've noticed about our losing games. Because in our losses, our three losses, we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. We've taken penalties. And in our three losses combined, 23 penalties for 164 yards lost. 164 yards. That might, not, that might not seem like all that much, but that's a field and more than half. On top of that, think about the timing of these penalties. That Dawson Knox penalty. We've had multiple holding penalties, touchdowns called back week one. We had two touchdowns in a row called back two plays in a row. Gabe Davis, there's a stretch where he had two straight weeks called back touchdowns. These penalties are going to cost us. They're going to cost us down the stretch. And I think it's a bit ridiculous for a regime and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott that preach, they preach discipline. Stay disciplined. And we're taking these stupid penalties. And again, we it's just, you know, it, we, we ha- it's, like, it's like having a child. It's like having a child and being home with a child all day and saying, don't do that. Don't do that all day long. And that's what happens with a the child. They don't remember the last five minutes when you told them don't do that. And that's kind of like how we have to approach the Buffalo Bills in terms of penalties. If, if I'm my coaching staff and I'm the special teams coach, we have to be mindful. And I'm telling the players, each play, every time you're out there, be mindful of what you're doing. You have to tell it to them like they're toddlers. And and hopefully the penalties will regress throughout the season and we can stop taking uh, these major losses. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hurt us down the stretch. We saw it last year in the Houston game with that Cody Ford penalty late in the game. We've seen it throughout this season. We need to clean it up. Stay disciplined. Going forward, we need to be better. No more stupid penalties. And I think that's all we've got for today's show. So thank you for watching this video. This is the Bills Bunker with myself and Nate Rich. You want to close it out? Uh, yeah, man. We appreciate everybody that commented, listened, viewed, watched. Uh, smash that like button. 
Uh, shout out to my brother Jacob, man. Bill's Bunker, you're doing an excellent job, bro. Continue to do uh, awesome work, and hopefully our Buffalo Bills can come in and 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 rectify this situation and have amnesia, right? Because we're still seven and three. We're still first place in the AFC East, and we still have and we still control our own destiny, man. So as much as this loss hurts, it's still our it's still ours if we want it, man. And uh, great job tonight, A. Rich, Akeem Richens. Built some Buffalo, Bill's Bunker.